This episode is brought to you by IVP. I'm author and spiritual director Sheila Wise Rowe. Have you ever wished you could find books that will empower you, heal you, and help you to become the person God has intended you to be? Keep listening to find out more about resources that I've written especially for Black readers. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth Table. Presented by Innervar City Press. The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 1-14, through 14, The Building of the Temple Solomon began building the Lord's temple in Jerusalem, on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David. This was the place that David prepared at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. He began building on the second day of the second month of the fourth year of his reign. Solomon laid the foundation for God's temple. Its length, determined according to the old standard of measure, was 90 feet, and its width, 30 feet. The porch in front of the main hall was 30 feet long, corresponding to the width of the temple, and its height was 30 feet. He plated the inside with pure gold. He paneled the main hall with boards made from evergreen trees and plated it with fine gold, decorated with palm trees and chains. He decorated the temple with precious stones. The gold he used came from Parvain. He overlaid the temple's rafters, thresholds, walls, and doors with gold. He carved decorative cherubim on the walls. He made the most holy place. Its length was 30 feet, corresponding to the width of the temple, and its width 30 feet. He plated it with 600 talents of fine gold. The gold nails weighed 50 shekels. He also plated the upper areas with gold. In the most holy place, he made two images of cherubim and plated them with gold. The combined wingspan of the cherubim was 30 feet. One of the cherub's wings was seven and a half long and touched one wall of the temple. Its other wing was also seven and a half long and touched one of the second cherub's wings. Likewise, one of the second cherub's wings was seven and a half long and touched the other wall of the temple. Its other wing was also seven and a half and touched one of the first cherub's wings. The combined wingspan of these cherubim was 30 feet. They stood upright facing inward. He made the curtain out of blue, purple, crimson, and white fabrics and embroidered on it decorative cherubim. 1 Kings chapter 6 through 1 Kings chapter 7 verse 12. 1 Kings chapter 6 beginning at verse 1, the building of the temple. In the 480th year after the Israelites left Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel during the month of Ziv, 
The second month, he began building the Lord's temple. The temple King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The porch in front of the main hall of the temple was 30 feet long, corresponding to the width of the temple. It was 15 feet wide, extending out from the front of the temple. He made framed windows for the temple. He built an extension all around the walls of the temple's main hall and holy place and constructed side rooms in it. The bottom floor of the extension was seven and a half feet wide, the middle floor nine feet wide and the third floor ten and a half feet wide. He made ledges on the temple's outer walls so the beams would not have to be inserted into the walls. As the temple was being built, only stones shaped at the quarry were used. The sound of hammers, pickaxes, or any other iron tool was not heard at the temple while it was being built. The entrance to the bottom level of side rooms was on the south side of the temple. Stairs went up to the middle floor and then up to the third floor. He finished building the temple and covered it with rafters and boards made of cedar. He built an extension all around the temple. It was seven and a half feet high and it was attached to the temple by cedar beams. The Lord's message came to Solomon. As for this temple you are building, if you follow my rules, observe my regulations, and obey all my commandments, I will fulfill through you, promise I made to your father David. I will live among the Israelites and will not abandon my people, Israel. So Solomon finished building the temple. He constructed the walls inside the temple with cedar planks. He paneled the inside with wood from the floor of the temple to the rafters of the ceiling. He covered the temple floors with boards made from the wood of evergreens. He built a wall 30 feet in from the rear of the temple as a partition for an inner sanctuary that would be the most holy place. He paneled the wall with cedar planks from the floor to the rafters. The main hall in front of the inner sanctuary was 60 feet long. The inside of the temple was all cedar and was adorned with carvings around ornaments and of flowers in bloom. Everything was cedar. No stones were visible. He prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple so that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord could be placed there. The inner sanctuary was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. He plated it with gold, as well as a cedar altar. Solomon plated the inside of the temple with gold. He hung gold chains in front of the inner sanctuary and plated the inner sanctuary with gold. He plated the entire inside of the temple with gold, as well as the altar inside the inner sanctuary. In the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood. Each stood 15 feet high. Each of the first cherub's wings was seven and a half feet long. Its entire wingspan was 15 feet. The second cherub also had a wingspan of 15 feet. It was identical to the first in measurements and shape. Each cherub stood 15 feet high. He put the cherubim in the inner sanctuary of the temple. Their wings were spread out. One of the first cherub's wings touched one wall, and one of the other cherub's wings touched the opposite wall. The first cherub's other wing touched the second cherub's other wing in the middle of the room. He plated the cherubim with gold. On all the walls around the temple, inside and out, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and flowers in bloom. He plated the floor of the temple with gold inside and out. He made doors of olive wood at the entrance to the inner sanctuary. The pillar on each doorpost was five. Sided. On the two doors made of olive wood, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and flowers in bloom, and he plated them with gold. He plated the cherubim and the palm trees with hammered gold. In the same way, he made doorposts of olive wood for the entrance of the main hall only with four-sided pillars. He also made two doors out of wood from evergreens. Each door had two folding leaves. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and flowers in bloom, and plated them with gold, leveled out over the carvings. He built the inner courtyard with three rows of chiseled stones and a row of cedar beams. In the month of Ziv, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, the foundation was laid for the Lord's temple. In the eleventh year, in the month of Bull, the eighth month, the temple was completed in accordance with all its specifications and blueprints. It took seven years to build. 1 Kings chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. The building of the royal palace. 
Solomon took 13 years to build his palace. He named it the Palace of the Lebanon Forest. It was 150 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. It had four rows of cedar pillars and cedar beams above the pillars. The roof above the beams supported by the pillars was also made of cedar. There were 45 beams, 15 per row. There were three rows of windows arranged in sets of three. All the entrances were rectangular in shape, and they were arranged in sets of three. He made a colonnade, 75 feet long and 45 feet wide. There was a porch in front of this and pillars and a roof in front of the porch. He also made a throne room called the Hall of Judgment where he made judicial decisions. It was paneled with cedar from the floor to the rafters. The palace where he lived was constructed in a similar way. He also constructed a palace like this hall for Pharaoh's daughter whom he had married. All these were built with the best stones, chiseled to the right size and cut with a saw on all sides, from the foundation to the edge of the roof and from the outside to the great courtyard. The foundation was made of large, valuable stones measuring either 15 feet or 12 feet. Above the foundation, the best stones chiseled to the right size were used along with cedar. Around the great courtyard were three rows of chiseled stones and one row of cedar beams like the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple and the hall of the palace. Solomon commissions Hiram to supply the temple. King Solomon sent for Hiram of Tyre. He was a son of a widow from the tribe of Nathali, and his father was a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. He had the skill and knowledge to make all kinds of works of bronze. He reported to King Solomon and did all the work he was assigned. He fashioned two bronze pillars. Each pillar was 27 feet high and 18 feet in circumference. He made two bronze tops for the pillars. Each was seven and a half feet high. The lattice work on the tops of the pillars was adorned with ornamental wreaths and chains. The top of each pillar had seven groupings of ornaments. When he made the pillars, there were two rows of pomegranate-shaped ornaments around the lattice work, covering the top of each pillar. The tops of the two pillars in the porch were shaped like lilies and were six feet high. On the top of each pillar, right above the bulge beside the lattice work, there were 200 pomegranate-shaped ornaments arranged in rows all the way around. He set up the pillars of the porch in front of the main hall. He erected one pillar on the right side and called it Yakin. He erected the other pillar on the left side and called it Boaz. The tops of the pillars were shaped like lilies, so the construction of the pillars was completed. He also made the large bronze basin called the sea. It measured 15 feet from rim to rim, was circular in shape, and stood seven and a half feet high. Its circumference was 45 feet. Under the rim, all the way around it were round ornaments arranged in settings 15 feet long. The ornaments were in two rows and had been cast with the sea. The sea stood on top of 12 bulls, three faced northward, three westward, three southward, and three eastward. The sea was placed on top of them and they all faced outward. It was four fingers thick and its rim was like that of a cup shaped like a lily blossom. It could hold about 12,000 gallons. He also made 10 bronze movable stands. Each stand was six feet long, six feet wide, and four and a half feet high. The stands were constructed with frames between the joints. On these frames and joints were ornamental lions, bulls, and cherubim. Under the lions and bulls were decorative wreaths. Each stand had four bronze wheels with bronze axles and four supports. Under the basin, the supports were fashioned on each side with wreaths. Inside the stand was a round opening that was 18 inches deep. It had a support that was 27 inches long. On the edge of the opening were carvings in square frames. The four wheels were under the frames and the crossbars of the axles were connected to the stand. Each wheel was 27 inches high. The wheels were constructed like chariot wheels. Their crossbars 
rims, spokes, and hubs were made of cast metal. Each stand had four supports, one per side projecting out from the stand. On top of each stand was a round opening three quarters of a foot deep. There were also supports and frames on top of the stands. He engraved ornamental cherubim, lions, and palm trees on the plates of the supports and frames wherever there was room with wreaths all around. He made the 10 stands in this way. All of them were cast in one mold and were identical in measurements and shape. He also made 10 bronze basins, each of which could hold about 240 gallons. Each basin was six feet in diameter. There was one basin for each stand. He put five basins on the south side of the temple and five on the north side. He put the sea on the south side in the southeast corner. Hiram also made basins, shovels, and bowls. He finished all the work on the Lord's temple he had been assigned by King Solomon. He made the two pillars, the two bowl-shaped tops of the pillars, the lattice work for the bowl-shaped tops of the two pillars, the 400 pomegranate-shaped ornaments for the lattice work, of the two pillars. Each lattice work had two rows of these ornaments at the bowl-shaped top of the pillar. The ten movable stands were their basins, the big bronze basin called the sea with its twelve bowls underneath, and the pots, shovels, and bowls. All these items King Solomon assigned to Hiram to make for the Lord's temple were made from polished bronze. The king had them cast in earth foundries in the region of the Jordan between Succoth and Zarathun. Solomon left all these items unweighed, there were so many of them, they did not weigh the bronze. Solomon also made all these items for the Lord's temple, the gold altar, the gold table on which was kept the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstands at the entrance to the inner sanctuary, five on the right and five on the left, the gold flower-shaped ornaments, lamps, and tongs, the pure gold bowls, trimming shears, basins, pans, and censers, and the gold door sockets for the inner sanctuary, the most holy place, and for the doors of the main hall of the temple. When King Solomon finished constructing the Lord's temple, he put the holy items that belonged to his father David, the silver, gold and other articles in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. New Testament reading Matthew chapter 22 verses 15 through 22 Paying taxes to Caesar Then the Pharisees went out and planned together to entrap him with his own words. They sent to him their disciples, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You do not court anyone's favor because you show no partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus saw their evil intentions and said, Hypocrites, why are you testing me? Show me the coin used for the tax. So they brought him a denarius. Jesus said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. He said to them, then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now when they heard this, they were stunned, and they left him and went away. Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. Paying taxes to Caesar. Then they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to trap him with his own words. When they came, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and do not court anyone's favor because you show no partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But he saw through their hypocrisy and said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So they brought one and he said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. Then Jesus said to them, Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 through 17 The Apostles' Ministry One should think about us this way. 
as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now what is sought in stewards is that one be found faithful. So for me, it is a minor matter that I am judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not acquitted because of this. The one who judges me is the Lord. So then, do not judge anything before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the motives of hearts that each will receive recognition from God. I have applied these things to myself and Apollos because of you, brothers and sisters, so that through us you may learn not to go beyond what is written, so that none of you will be puffed up in favor of the one against the other. For who concedes you any superiority? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? Already you are satisfied. Already you are rich. You have become kings without us. I wish you had become kings so that we could reign with you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles last of all as men condemned to die because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We are fools for Christ, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished. We are dishonored. To the present hour, we are hungry and thirsty, poorly clothed, brutally treated and without a roof over our heads. We do hard work, toiling with our own hands. When we are verbally abused, we respond with a blessing. When persecuted, we endure. When people lie about us, we answer in a friendly manner. We are the world's dirt and scum, even now. A father's warning. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to correct you as my dear children. For though you may have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers because I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I encourage you then be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my dear and faithful son in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Father God, I thank you for your word. Thank you, O oh God, for just the theme that's jumping out to me from these readings from the Old Testament to the New. It's just stewardship. Oh God, stewarding the callings that we have, stewarding the assignments that you've given us, oh God, as we see Solomon did so while building your temple and then also building his own, the palace that you've given him, oh God, and the way that he commissioned Hiram of Tyre, oh God. And there's ways in which that we can despise sometimes our calling or our gifting or feeling that we should be doing great exploits and doing big things for you and for your kingdom, oh God. But I thank you, oh Lord God, that you have given us all different giftings, different skills and different abilities, oh Lord God. And that I pray that we would never look down on the gifts and the skills and the station of life to which you've called us, oh God, and to know that all of it can be and ought to be done for your glory and done with a spirit of excellence and faithfulness. Oh God, would you help us to be found faithful with what you've given us to steward? Would you help us, oh Lord, to be people, oh God, that are known for working hard and doing our best with what you've given us, oh God? Would you help us not to be jealous of what other people have been called to do for you, oh Lord? Help us, oh God, to be grateful that we are children of God, that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, and we have the 
honor and the great privilege of serving you, of being known as servants of the Lord. That ought to be enough for us, oh God. So would you help us to be faithful to what you've called us to do, oh Lord God? Faithful in rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's and rendering to you what is yours, oh God. Give us the wisdom, give us the discernment, oh God, and give us the the faithfulness, oh God, in order to steward the gifts that you have given us, oh God, so that we will be without shame when you come back and when Jesus comes and asks us what we've done with the talents that he's given us, oh God. I pray all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, I'm Sheila Wise-Row. My two books, Healing Racial Trauma and Young, Gifted, and Black, serve readers who may need to process hurt and pain or those who undervalue their God-given worth. I also write to those who want to better love and encourage them. In my books, you will encounter the stories of Black women and men who've been on a life-changing journey of self-discovery and spiritual growth. It's my prayer that you too will meet God in real and unforgettable ways. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off and free U.S. shipping on these books. Visit ivypress.com and use the promo code of the word. Again, that's T-H-E-W-O-R-D. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.